Your Bible, join me in Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. All right, we started a couple weeks back, and we were looking at the Ten Commandments, and we were looking at the aspect of how the Ten Commandments can be seen as laws of things that we are not supposed to do. But when you dig a little deeper into them, we begin to understand how the Ten Commandments are really a revealing of the grace of God and how that God had established a relationship with His people for hundreds of years before He set the rules out. And even going back into the Garden of Eden with the first command of don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, there were all kind of yes trees and one no tree. And so we begin to see at every turn God's grace as He deals with man. And so as we've been going through the commandments, we've been looking at them in terms of how they help reveal the grace of God and His character to us. We started off with, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. We said, this is teaching us trust. Don't put anything else in front of God. Trust God that He will take care. He is God. He is powerful. He will lead. He will guide. Put your trust in Him. Because the basis of any relationship starts at trust. And then we went on to see, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images. And we talked about worship. This is how we worship God, where we don't make God small. To try and take an infinite God who created everything, could fit the universe in the span of his hand, and to try and make it and try to make him into anything that we've seen is to take God and to make him so small. But when we don't make any graven images and we keep God big, then worshiping God, we stand in awe of Him and we have the ability then to turn our hearts and recognize how big God is. The third commandment, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. We looked at last week how this is the idea of don't tag God's name onto something. And how by keeping God's name and not taking it in vain, not tagging it onto something, but following His direction that it gives us the perfect direction for our life. And when we take, this is what God said, this is where His name is, then we follow Him behind. It's just like the children of Israel following that pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day there going through the wilderness. When we follow God's name, it leads us, and He leads us exactly where we're supposed to be. We saw how God's Word and God's name will always work together, and we can trust in that. And then... We spoke about remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy and the provision that that represents. God's saying, trust me, work six days, work diligently, work hard, but trust me that I'm going to take care of you and I'm going to provide and that for you to step apart and to rest in me is so much more needful than that extra day of productivity, if you will. And boy, how our modern culture has fought against that. But as we come now to Exodus chapter 20, we begin to see a shift now. Commandments 5 through 10 shift from dealing with God to dealing with man. These are highly relational in nature. They begin to change at the very core. Join me, if you will, in Exodus chapter 20, there in verse 12. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land, which the Lord thy God will give thee. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor, 
Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. And all the people saw the thunderings and lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. As they see this command coming down from God, they see everything that is taking place. And these commandments are so relational in nature to teach man how to deal with man. Now, here's where this gets tricky. For you and I, we have grown up in a culture, and really even in a world, where these principles are greatly ingrained. Now, there are certain regions of the world where you can travel to, and some of these principles have not become ingrained in that culture. But the overwhelming, especially in the developed world, the concepts of the Ten Commandments are ingrained. So we look at them, and we don't completely value them the way that we should. But if you go back into Exodus chapter 2, you see how the children of Israel there in Egypt dealt with each other. Remember Moses, he goes out and he sees how a Hebrew is being treated by one of the Egyptians, and he goes and he kills the Egyptian because he's beating up on this Hebrew. Well, then he goes out the next day and he sees two Hebrews who are at disagreement and they're fighting physically. And he goes, whoa, your brothers, why are you fighting against each other? That's what they knew. And unfortunately, as the principles of Scripture leave society more and more or here and around the world, we see more and more of this might makes right mentality. And whoever wins the fight is the one who was right. And the dealing with each other becomes harsh and hard and harmful. But God said through Moses to the children of Israel, this is not how I want you to live. Most in here today, we don't live at this level of physical blows. But boy, we get pretty close. And we live at the level of strong words and pushy expressions and, and behaving in such a way as to force the other to submit to our will. And God looks at them and looks at us and says, Look, if you will trust what I have to say, I have principles that will help you live your life a much better way. There, in chapter 20, verse 12, we start off with the phrase, Honor thy father and mother. If you're going to start fixing relational problems, this right here is where you begin. You begin with honor, and it begins in the home. Now, before we delve into the principle of honor in the home, let's get a good definition of honor. The word literally here in the Hebrew is the word to be heavy. It's to set a weight that is heavy upon. But let's look at a great Bible example of this. All right, so you got your place here in Exodus. Just hold your spot. Stick your finger in there. Turn over with me, if you will, to Esther chapter 5. Esther chapter 5. In the book of Esther, we see a great, great principle of this. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job. Okay, so go find Esther for me. And as you get there, here's what I want you to remember. At this point in the book of Esther... What has happened is there is a king by the name of Ahasuerus. 
King Ahasuerus is a godless king. He's not an individual who loves the Lord. He has a prince who's under him, a governor. His name is Haman. Haman is not a good guy either. Haman has a man who would be under his authority, if you will, whose name is Mordecai. Now, Mordecai is a godly man. And Haman expects when he walks in that Mordecai will get down on his knees and worship. Well, Mordecai, being a Jew, knew the Ten Commandments, that they were to not put any other individual, man, thing before God. So he won't bow down and worship Haman, because he knows the only one he's supposed to worship is God. So Haman's just irate, he's angry at him, and Haman wants to see Mordecai destroyed. So Haman makes a deal with the king that on such and such a date that all of the Jews can be killed and destroyed purely because of Mordecai. Well, in the turn of events, as God's providence is intervening, Mordecai's cousin, who he raised like a daughter, Esther, becomes queen. And in the midst of all of this, Mordecai tells of two men who are trying to kill the king. So the king has now had his life spared by Mordecai, though he doesn't know it at this moment. Haman has sentenced Mordecai and the rest of the Jews to death. And we come now to Esther chapter 5. We come to Esther chapter 5, verse 4. And Esther answered, If it seemeth good unto the king, let the king and Haman come this day unto the banquet that I have prepared for him. So Esther the queen has invited the king and Haman to her house. Then skip down to verse 9. Then went Haman forth that day joyfully and with a glad heart. But when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate, that he stood not up nor moved for him, he was full of indignation against Mordecai. So, he's invited to the queen's house. Boy, he's just walking tall, man. He, he, he's the man. The king and him, queen's house, he is on top of the world. He goes out and sees Mordecai. Mordecai won't fall down and worship him. And he's so angry again. Now, little does he know that Esther and Mordecai are related, but, but this is all unfolding. Chapter 6, verse 1. On that night could not the king sleep, and he commanded to bring the book of records of the chronicles, and they were read before the king. In other words, when you can't sleep, read a history book. And so they begin to read the chronicles, and he gets tired. But they come to a passage there, verse 3, in the chronicles, and the king said, what honor and dignity hath been done to Mordecai for this? So he comes to the account where Mordecai had saved his life. He says, well, what honor? What weight has been given here to Mordecai because he saved my life? Then said the king's servant that ministered unto him, there is nothing done for him. He goes, whoa, whoa, wait, you mean this guy saved my life and we didn't honor him in any way? So... The story's great, and most of you know it. Haman's standing out there in the lobby waiting on the king to get up so he can go into the king and hang Mordecai on this huge gallows he has built in his backyard. And at this moment, the king now is going, you mean we never honored Mordecai? And Haman has no idea. He goes, hey, look, where's one of my servants? I, I need to talk to one of my governors. Where's somebody? Who's out there in the court waiting on me? Haman's out there. Haman, come here, come here, come here. Haman, Haman, look, I, I got a question for you. What should be done to the man whom the king delighteth to honor? And Haman's going, well, the queen wants me to come to her house tonight for a banquet. So who more could the king want to honor than me? So Haman looks at him and he goes, here's what you should do. Take the king's horse 
Get him all arrayed as if the king is parading into town. And take the man that the king delights to honor and set him on the king's horse. And put the king's robe and the king's crown on him. Make him look like the king. And then have somebody walk through the streets, leading that horse, trumpeting out there, this is what happens to the man the king delights to honor. Haman's thinking, they're about to do a parade for me. This is great. I'm going to the queen's house. I'm about to have a parade. Mordecai's going to hang in my backyard later. Man, this is a good day. Until the king looks at Haman and says, that's a great idea, Haman. Can you be the guy who leads the horse and go get Mordecai and put him on the horse? Now, that's great, but that's not the point right here. The point is, we see this incredible illustration of honor. To revere. To make costly. To take an individual and to put them in the position as a king and to parade them about and give them that recognition. Now go back to Exodus chapter 20. How do you build society? How do you get millions of people who believe that might makes right to learn how to have a good society, a good nation? You keep God first, and then there in verse 12, you learn to honor thy father and thy mother. Until we can put weight, until we can establish, until we can make strong the family unit, all society will struggle. You see, your nation will never be stronger than your families. One of the reasons that we struggle in our country today is because the family is being torn apart. But one of the reasons we struggle in churches today is because the family is being torn apart. It is vital that we begin to teach honor in our homes. Why is it that there's not a lot of honor in our homes today towards parents? It's easy to look at and say, well, you know, in TV, they're always disrespectful to their parents. Even in little kids' cartoons, this is true. Because there's plenty of cartoons we go, you can't watch that. Because there's a disrespect shown to the parents by the, the little kid in the cartoon. And, and it's easy to go, that's the problem. It's part of it. But it's bigger than that. It's because we've got moms and dads who aren't showing any honor to moms and dads. You see, that's a challenge. We're an independent society, and I will say I am chief among sinners here, okay? I am an individual, independent individual, and my mom's sitting back here. She could attest to all of this. And we take that independence, and as a result of our independence, we lose the honor and respect that we should give in our own home to our parents. Now, for me, I, I'm in a unique situation right now. In that, because of Kira being in the hospital, I have, my mom has been living with us basically for a month now. My mom-in-law comes in this week. She'll be with us for a couple of weeks. And so I have this rotation of grandparents coming in and out of my house, which I'm very grateful for. 
But look, it, it, please, my mom's here, so you know I'm not talking bad about her. But you understand, anytime somebody different is in your house, it's different. It, it's just different. It's not good, it's not bad, it's just different. And so when it becomes different, everyone has to find their new normal. And so what can happen is in a situation like this, the normal is different, and I have to protect the honor in my home so that I have to make sure that my kids are respectful now to their grandparents because if I don't protect their honor in the house, then the kids think it's okay to, for me to be, excuse me, if the kids think it's okay for me to be dishonorable towards my parents, then it's okay for them to be dishonorable towards me. And we propagate this. And for the most part, we do okay with this towards our parents, especially because now we live in a society where we can get distant from them. But we do a poor job of showing honor towards authority. And as we keep bringing honor down in our home, it really is only undermining our own authority. There was a day in our country where regardless of what side of the aisle you sat on, you never said anything bad about the president. That day's gone. And it's not just been gone for two or three years now. It's been gone for 10 or 12 years. And we have to recognize that honor is the idea of showing respect, and it starts in the home. And as parents, we have to be sure to show honor to our parents so that our kids get it. There are plenty of times when I say to my wife, my wife says to us, me, that we have to do this for our parents' sake because I want my kids to do it for my sake one day. And so we learn to perpetuate and to teach honor. We struggle because parents aren't honoring parents. We struggle because we are not teaching our kids to honor the other parent. Now, that can be very challenging in some situations. I understand that. When there's a situation where mom and dad have split up and kids are in the middle, the reason there is a split, a divorce, is generally heavy enough that there's a lot of emotion and a lot of angst. Now, that's not always the case. So, some people are able to get past that, but a lot of times there's a lot of that, and that's 50% of homes in America today. And when that happens, now it's very easy for one spouse to undermine the other spouse. And kids lose respect. They lose the honor of one of their parents. But it's equally true in homes that are still together. If my kids back talk to me, that's a problem. If I'm in the room and my kids back talk to their mother, it's almost the end of the world for them. Because I want them to learn to honor. So, Justice, you're a boy, hold the door as the door's knocking him over. Hold the door. And very compassionate father, man up, hold the door. Look, lean into it, son, you'll get it. Because honor towards his mom is important. 
sit down for a meal. Mom, get me. Whoa, 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 whoa. No. Uh-uh. You don't talk to your mother that way. You get up and get at your job around self. You don't, no, 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 no. Because honor towards mom is very important. And if I allow that, then I'm actually undermining my own authority. But I'm undermining society. And you're going to see it as we continue through these. Teach your kids to honor all authority. I taught school for a little while. And I used to hate it, not for my sake, but for mom and dad's sake. I used to hate it when a parent would call me and chew me out for their kid's grade. Now, let's be honest. Doesn't matter to me if their kid fails or not. But when mom and dad would chew me out instead of looking at their kid and saying, did you study? Did you? And put pressure on their kid. I had a parent get so upset with me because I had a clear rule in my class. If you got to get up and go use the bathroom when you're taking a quiz or a test, this was high school, okay? This was not elementary. Then you don't get your test back. That's just the rule, so that's, that's it. So I had a kid who every single day in my class would get up and go to use the bathroom the last 15 minutes of class. And it conveniently would take him 15 minutes every time. I said, I'll fix this problem. I told him, I said, look, you need to go to the bathroom before class. You need to go to the bathroom before class. You need to go to the bathroom before class. Fine. Give everybody a quiz. If you turn this in, you can't have it back. Oh, it's okay. I'll give it to you. I need to go to the bathroom. Okay, go ahead. Go to the bathroom. He left the room. All right, everybody take out your books. You can use your books to finish the quiz for the next 15 minutes. Everybody in the class got a 100. He got a 20. I fixed the problem. He never left my class again. I'm not saying it was right. I'm just saying. His dad chewed me out like you wouldn't believe. To this day, him and his dad still have no relationship. In fact, he failed a class and couldn't graduate. He came to my office. It wasn't my class. It wasn't even my subject area. He came to my office every day, all summer long, and I tutored him through that class so he could go to college in the fall. But his dad has no relationship with him to this day because it was my fault instead of looking at his kid and saying, no, you have respect for authority. When we don't teach our kids to have respect for their teachers, for police officers, for those that God has ordained to positions of authority, we are hurting society. Honor them. Place weight on them. So how do you show honor to someone that is not honorable? Isn't that hard? Are there... Forget that. Let's start simpler. Are there times as a parent you have not been honorable? I'm guilty. Okay, let's just be honest. All of us have times when we are not honorable people. But does that change my responsibility to show that honor? And the answer to that is no. So how do you do it? How do you show honor when someone's not very honorable? And the answer is grace. When God showed grace to you, were you honorable? 
in his sight? Were you worthy of a great weight of value being placed on you? Were you worthy of, this is what happens to the man the king delights to honor? But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, he said, you are so important to me that I'm going to let Christ die on a cross, a painful, humiliating, agonizing death. Because I honor you. I'm going to show you grace. And in light of what Christ did for me, do, do I really have any right to say that I shouldn't show honor to other people? Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. I actually believe there's two catches in that. I believe that one catch to that is that God will actually bless those that honor thy father and mother and give them days in their life. I also believe that there's a simpler truth tied up in that. You stop honoring people, you're going to get dead. Somebody's going to kill you. And we'll go on to see that in the rest of the commandment. But you're going to live such a life that your life ends up shortened by natural consequences of your lack of honor and respect. Today, our kids are set apart. There are very few young children in here with their parents. There are some teenagers in here. We look at this and we go, hey, Honor thy father and thy mother. Amen, preacher. Teach that to my teenager because they ain't got it right now. But mom and dad, are we living a life that is honorable and setting value and weight? Because when we honor, when we set that weight, we set the example, and that example changes our home, and homes that are different changes society. And it changes churches. And in it is this great grace that we're going to unwrap more next week as we see how when that honor comes out, it is that demonstration of the love of God. But the question today is, are you in your life living a life that shows honor to other people's lives? Are you living that way? You've heard the message. Now I hope you'll respond to it. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, now's the time to bow your head and ask Him to save you. In John 6:37, Jesus tells us that He will not cast out anyone who calls upon Him. I hope that you will call on Him today. If you need help spiritually, we'd love to be of service to you. Leave us a message, would you? At HBCGA org or 770-974-9091. Our service times are 1045 on Sunday morning, 930 for Sunday school, 5 o'clock for the evening service, and then 7 o'clock on Wednesday nights. Our services are warm and welcoming, and you will feel right at home. Come and visit us here at Harvest and call on us if you need us. God bless you.